everyone. This is episode 572 of the Pixelated Saucers podcast for Friday, January 4th, 2019. I am your host, Mark Nez, and today I'll be talking about a few movies. Of course, more fairy tale because I just, you know me, and some more Hitman 2 because I'm back into that, and a little bit of Celeste, but not too much because I'll be saving that for a future Attack the Backlog episode. Speaking of Hitman 2, 2, and Hitman 2, T-O-O, I just saw a little bit of news about Hitman uh, that Blood Money and Absolution will be getting 4K remasters that are coming out January 11th on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. There's no price, though, I guess, yet, and this is called the H, not the the Hitman HD Enhanced Collection. I'm very excited about this. I had no idea this was coming. I don't know if anyone really knew this was coming since it just sort of was announced, and now it's coming out in a week. It's a bit crazy. Both games will be playable, 4K, 60 frames per second. And if you've played either game, especially Blood Money on Xbox One via backward compatibility, you would quickly see how how bad the games look now. Uh, They haven't aged that well, and especially Blood Money is pretty rough to look at. It's still a very fun game, but with this news, I am am very, very, very excited because I'd love to go back to Blood Money with enhanced visuals and i've been meaning to play through absolution that's one of the games that i'd like to play through for attack the backlog and now it's looking like it was good that i waited because there were times where i was thinking about doing that as one of the first uh games so now i can play it with it looking very very pretty so that's some exciting news and ooh, updated controls for a more fluid experience I wonder what that means. Because I can't remember how they control. They might control slightly uh, more different than uh, the current Hitman games. But it's not like the Hitman games have... Well, they have fine controls. But I mean, if you're trying to play it as more of an action game, which why would you? Unless you're just wanting to dig around. But it's going to be real cool to see Blood Money. Yeah. Blood Money is a game that everyone should play. I hope if this is thirty bucks, yeah, day one. If it's sixty bucks, ooh, that'll be rough. I'm I'm assuming it'll be somewhere in the thirty to forty dollar range. Thirty dollars is a sweet spot. I will buy it day one without question. And yeah, so I'm I'm excited about that pleasant surprise, the first pleasant surprise of 2019. And since I'm curious. Will these count for Game of the Year uh, deliberations when the year's end? Uh, when the year's end. When the year is over. If so, I already know some games that will be in my top 10 because Blood Money is already there. Absolution can maybe surprise me and not be as bad as I remember it being. Not that it was bad, it just wasn't the Hitman game that I or I think a lot of people wanted. But yeah, Blood Money alone makes it a top 10 game of the year. Anywho. I have been playing through a lot of Hitman 2 again, now going through the first season maps. I'm through about half of them. And I forgot how good a lot of the maps are. 
or maybe it's not that I forgot them, but just I think the last two maps are not so great. But the ones before that are really, really good. And I think when I talked about Hitman Season 1 more recently, I talked about it with those maps being the most fresh on my mind because those are the ones I went through and maybe sounded a bit more down on the first season than I actually am. And I'm just having a blast going through them again. I, I really love the look of the games. They have, they have just this nice, clean sharpness to them that while not being very wild in terms of art direction or anything like that, it, you know, there's not a lot of style in the Hitman series. It just has a really nice, clean aesthetic. And that kind of works for the game thematically, given that it's about this kind of uh, empty Hitman, you know. Uh, but yeah, those games are still so much fun. I love to play around with them. It's nice to just, av not avoid, uh, but uh, ignoring all of the kind of mission stories and stuff like that and going into a map with no HUD and just playing around. Uh, it might be more difficult for newcomers when you're not that familiar with a map, but after you really get a handle on the location and a lot of you know secret spots or whatever, or just the general layout of things, it's a lot of fun to just play through it with this clean HUD. Because uh, I, I like to play games with no HUD whenever possible, just because it, it's nice seeing... The visuals uh, unobstructed by all this crap on the screen. It's difficult with some games um, where the the HUD is important for at least a map, but I like to have it as clean as possible. And I, I like to, if possible, have it very clean. I get kind of annoyed at times where I'm able to remove most things, but I still have to keep the map because the map just is really important, which is true in a lot of open world games where you're not going to see the icons for missions or anything like that. Or if you're doing ones, like the, the thing that sucked with Red Dead and turning it off is that if I put a marker on the map, I'm not going to get that guide. You know, it doesn't have anything on screen to indicate me or like a little breadcrumb trail or anything that can tell me where I need to go without me having to look at the map and keep that in mind. And I'm not going to trust the horse in uh, cinematic mode because that mode is, or whatever the hell it was called, that mode was something I used, but it was never uh, something I relied on to be uh, working all the time. Plenty of times the horse would go off the trail and just continue down another road and be like, where am I going? Because I'd hear one of the characters on screen telling me, well, you were supposed to turn back there. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's in cinematic mode. The horse is supposed to follow the fucking line, and it doesn't follow the line. Um, and plenty of times where the horse just runs into a tree. Anywho, Hitman 2, fantastic. The Hitman Season 1, a lot of it is fantastic and holds up so well, and is still some of the best maps. Like, there are fantastic, fantastic maps in Season 1. It starts off so strong with First Paris, then Italy, and then, uh, not Morocco. But the first three maps are really, really cool. Um, and I think there's one more before 
Colorado, which I re- I I hate Colorado. I think Colorado is really stupid. Um, but yeah, Hitman, fantastic series. Excited about the Hitman news that just came out of nowhere. And if you've never played Hitman, you most certainly should because it's really really good. And like I said, I think Hitman is still on sale. Which, if it is, you can get all this Hitman for super cheap because there's no way this collection is going to be more than 40 bucks. And if it's 30 bucks, you can get Hitman 2 for 30 bucks. You can get this collection for hopefully 30 bucks. And then you can get the Legacy Pack that gives you the Season 1 maps in Hitman 2 for 20. Maybe that's on sale. That could be 10 bucks. You get all this Hitman content for super cheap. It's crazy. You can get all that Hitman content for almost the price of one whole game. And you can't do. I don't know where I'm going with that. I was like, you can't do any better than that. That sounded really weird and wrong. But um, I love Hitman. More people should play Hitman. Because it's just... It's a, it's a fun puzzle stealth game. And it's very replayable. And it's just, it's just a good time. It's a good time poisoning people. And pushing them off ledges. And drowning them in their own vomit. Can you ask for anything more than that? And also, just to give one more last shout-out to Blood Money. Of all the Hitman games, still to this date, Hitman Blood Money probably has the most memorable fun deaths and way to go around killing people, I think. Um, And that's probably just because they're much tighter maps with a lot more... uh, not thought put into them, but it's just they're just tighter. They're smaller as whatever. I've lost my train of thought. Celeste. So Celeste I've played through chapter five now. I'm at like five hundred deaths. Half of those deaths at the very least are because of frustration and or the controls. I think you know, I'm not gonna go too deep into this because I will be talking about it on a future attack the backlog, but I think while it's really great that it's free currently with Xbox Live Gold, and I like having these games that are available on all platforms so people can play them. I think Xbox is the worst platform to play Celeste because the Xbox One controller is not great for precision platforming when some games, depending on the mechanics that a platformer uses. And Celeste has a heavy use of diagonal inputs. That is not great with the analog stick. I tried using the D-pad, and just for me at least, maybe for other people it's not a problem. The placement of the D-pad makes it very uncomfortable. So I'm stuck using the analog stick, and it's not been a huge problem. It's not so frustrating that I want to stop playing. I still really enjoy the game. It's just something I noticed, and I feel like not having tried it on other platforms with d-pads better d-pads and also d-pads in more comfortable placement um that it would feel a lot better i shouldn't even say a lot better because when i'm not messing around with diagonals when that's not part of the platforming to to clear a level clear an area um it feels really good and i really like the look um the story's been really solid and well written and i think despite the characters having very few faces they're very expressive and just there's a, there's a lot going on in the game 
that's working really well. And I just think that the Xbox One controller, for me, does the game a bit of a disservice because diagonal inputs don't always work. So they're probably half my desk come from me wanting to do a diagonal and going straight or wanting to go straight and doing a diagonal. And it's just like, what what is happening? And it gets really frustrating. And then I get really annoyed and I start just saying to myself, fuck it, I'm just going to speed run this whole thing. It doesn't matter. Who cares? I'm going to go through this real quickly. I know exactly what I have to do. So I'm just going to do it. And I'm going to do it real quick, real, real fast. That doesn't work. That is uh, just a way to lead to quick, stupid deaths. And there are plenty of times where I'm getting really antsy and the respawn happens and I'm still holding on to the, the analog stick or whatever and I just run off and die immediately. I'm like, great. And I, I feel like, oh, I want my stats, my death stats to be lower than they are. But, oh, well, I'm not really going after strawberries at the moment. But um, I really, really, really like Celeste a lot. And it, the hard thing for me, though, is I I wish I was playing on another platform because I think if I wasn't having these input issues, um, I think I would like it even more. So it's a game that when it's on sale again on Switch or PlayStation or even PC, um, I'll probably pick it up again. Um, so yeah, really good game, but I think the Xbox One controller in this case is the worst way to play it. Uh, and this is coming from someone who loves the Xbox One controller. It's my favorite controller by far. I hate the DualShock 4. But for platformers, specific platformers, the DualShock 4 feels better. I prefer playing um, Spelunky with the DualShock 4. Um, and plus, plus the end series in general doesn't feel too bad with an analog stick. You know, so it, it varies from platformer to platformer. But um, yeah, other than that, I don't think I've played anything else more into the breach because I've just been into that again. Now that I've finished my time with Smash, pretty much, I'm kind of, I kind of regret picking up Smash because I don't have a Nintendo Switch Online. I still don't feel compelled to pay that twenty bucks a year, even though it's only twenty bucks. I would be buying it so that I could maybe play Smash with people I know online once in a blue moon. And for cloud saves, that's the the big thing that I would be interested in. But I just I can't pull that trigger. It just can't it can't happen. Um and I also I it sucks too because I'm thinking, ooh, maybe I want it because my friend has Mario Plus Rabbits. They're really liking it. There's multiplayer in that. And I think that would be a really fun multiplayer game. If it works, who knows if it does. Maybe it's really laggy or something. I don't know. But I love that game. I love those types of games. It's a really good type of XCOM game. And I think that would just be a a lot of fun playing online. And me and this friend, (laughs) we don't play much online. I mean, the, the extent of our online play was iOS phone games. And I think it's just... I don't like me schedule wise and me online playing. It's just like your, your likelihood of finding me at a time is rare. And also like with Xbox, which is where I do the most uh, the majority of my gaming. If you send me a message on Xbox, you're not going to get any response. I have all my notifications turned off, including messages and all that. So 
if you want to play something with me, I'm talking to you, Justin, don't send me a fucking thing on there. And guess what? I deleted Divinity and Original Sin 2 because it's clear we're never going back to it. So, poo on you. Uh, anywho, that's pretty much all I've been playing. I have watched a few movies. Uh, I watched The Predator, which is offensively bad. I, I was surprised by how bad it is on many levels. But what makes it especially bad is this entire autism storyline where the predators are going from going to planet to planet finding the most powerful strongest toughest species on each planet to take their dna and uh meld it with theirs whatever it's called fuse it with theirs whatever uh to create super predators basically of you know uh, hybrid dna from all these strong species and they want um the the boy in the the movie because he's autistic and to some autism is the next evolution in uh human kind human the human species and just that whole storyline is a bit much but also the the way they portray this kid with autism is very stereotypical uh, you know, there's not much thought really put into it he has saw uh, savant syndrome of course because why wouldn't he uh, that's something that a lot of people still think that oh if they're autistic they have savant syndrome that's not true i think it's less than 10 percent of uh, those with autism have some form of savant syndrome but he, of course, is in the chess club. He's really good at chess. So when a kid pulls a fire alarm and then comes in there and knocks all the pieces off there, he's able to put them all back in their exact spots. He's also very good at cracking codes and learning languages because he learns the predator language in, like, I don't know, a day or two. He immediately figures out the predator language. Um, and, like, even... When he's in I, the school, you don't see much of the school, but it seems like no one knows he has autism. So when the fire alarm happens and the the noise is bothering him, no, it just, they just left him there. There's no teacher that was checking. The, the one, the teacher didn't check to make sure all the kids got out. Usually, you think the teacher would make sure every kid gets out and that they would pay attention, but they don't. And even more so. If you know this kid is autistic, you probably are aware. Like, I know that there are plenty of cases where if they're not in the best schooling environment, you're not going to have teachers who care. But just, I don't know. It's It just seemed like such a weird thing to have in the story and for it to be as significant of a part as it was. Though I knew it was going to, like, the second I saw the kid, I'm like, is, this, is he supposed to be autistic? Um, like, in the almost immediately i thought and then it was pretty early on confirmed i'm like why 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 is this in here what part what is because it? it was clear that it there's no reason why they would just have it in there to have it in there it was going to be part of the story and i wasn't a fan of that um but uh the movie itself disregarding all that the giant predator was dumb a lot of the writing is pretty bad 
Um, I just, I, I can't believe Shane Black made this. This has to be his lowest low. I'm trying to think of something else he made that was this bad. I'm not a huge fan of Iron Man 3, but that's watchable. Uh, Predator was something I watched to completion because I was just sort of dumbfounded by how bad it was. And also, I wanted to keep watching to see where the, the storyline with uh, regarding autism was going to go because it was just... That, that was the most surprising part of the whole thing. I was just like, well, this is... This is something. Um, and and some like I was looking it up on Google or whatever later and saw some people championing it. It's like, oh, finally, autistics have a hero. Like, wasn't exactly a hero. He didn't do that much anyway. They're just sort of like, oh, they're just saying that autism was the next evolution. And he put on the helmet and he accidentally killed a human being. Um, because the helmet just auto attacked someone who threw like an apple at him. Well, because it was on Halloween, he's trick or treating. Um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. And then I watched about an hour of Christopher Robin, which is the more recent Winnie the Pooh movie. There was another one called Goodbye Christopher Robin, which was about more so the the father, the writer. And the boy as a child and just this kind of mixture of creating a story while also having, I think, PTSD. I think he had that. Um, which was a much more interesting story and something. I, I, I like that movie more. It was a bit tonally jumbled, a little weird, just the way it would jump between tones. But for me, Christopher Robin didn't do much for me because it never really came alive it felt like a really dead movie um very slow i wanted it to be more akin to paddington which feels so alive and so much fun and and christopher robin has some moments and the animation on the characters is pretty good i think winnie of all of them looks the weirdest i'm not a, i'm not a fan of winnie so much but the rest are pretty well animated i just i i was watching it for an hour or so and after doing that i was just like i'm just not inclined to keep watching this it's just doing nothing for me and I have no affinity for Winnie the Pooh. It wasn't something that I grew up on or that I really cared about. Uh, so, you know. But that, that that's not important, right? Because uh, Paddington is something I had no affinity for. And I adore both movies. The second one is one of the best movies of last year. And is just an incredible movie. Movie? Movie? Um, but yeah. That's uh, all I watched. So... Yep, I think that will almost be the place to end because I'm still watching Fairy Tale. I am maybe a third of the way through the second run, the 2014 series, and it's still fucking terrible. It's it's just it's so bad. It is the worst of those types of shows. It is just 
an anime f- ass anime fans crappy fan servicey stupid show with terrible writing horrible humor stupid characters it's just it is such a cliched tropey piece of crap <laughs> i'm still watching it cuz i'm we already know i, I don't value myself <laughs> whatever it's, it's something i can half watch i i've more than a few times i have gone away from the screen with my ear pods in for minutes at a time and i'm just listening to the horseshit i'm like i don't care i don't need to see this and uh, that's how i consume it at times anyway that will do it for this here episode of the pixelated sausage podcast once again i am your host mark kuznez y'all can find me on twitter and all the usual places at px sausage on psn i am the kush three don't know why i said that that's not important but the site that is important and that is of course pixelatedsausage.com where you can find this podcast the pixelated paranormal podcast and attack the backlog which are all available on podcast services across the globe like stitcher radio google play apple Podcasts, and spotify and if you'd like to check out the video versions of this here show or attack the backlog you can go over to p <laughs> you can go over to youtube.com slash pixelated sausage and check them out over there where you can also see a few anime reviews and other such videos um, I'm so pleasantly surprised by the reaction to my Bloom Into You uh, review because half of it is probably me talking about myself and my experiences with love and how I found Bloom Into You especially relatable. And I was expecting to get a lot of blowback because plenty of times I've gotten things where like, what kind of review is this? You're talking about yourself? But other than one thumbs down it's been overwhelmingly positive and it's been the best video in terms of views and stuff like that as well for this last season um so that made me very happy what also makes me happy is making art do you like art do you want to look at my art if you do you can go over to pxsart.com and check my art over there And if you see something you like, click the link and it'll take you to where you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and everything we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. And as always, thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day.